listening to the 4-7 Podcast, the podcast where two normal guys interview and reminisce about their favorite Christian artists from the 90s and today. Welcome to the 4-7 Podcast. I am RJ. This is Mike. We have a very special guest today. Uh, you will know him for a number of reasons. Uh, one, uh, being in the band Cutlass. And number two, coming out with probably one of the best albums of last year, according to very, very many people, uh, including myself, um, Nate Parrish. How are you? Uh, wow, that's an intro. I like that song you guys played. I'm going to... Do you know who that was? i tell you something. Whoever that was, they they belong on Columbia Records or some like top-of-the-line album right there. I'll tell you right now. According to my mom, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> it, was, it was Jars of Clay. They recant. That's came what it was. It was, it was yeah. the new Jars of Clay tune. It's really cool. Yeah. Totally yeah. rebranded. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks uh, for having me on. Greetings from California. So how was the weather in California? Dude, sunny and surfing. Yeah. Every day. We're I surfed to work. I surfed to the grocery store. <laughs> Well, you're sunny and surfing. We're uh, snowy and shoveling over here. So, you know, um, so it was really cold like three days ago, and I had to wear a jacket and a hoodie. Wait, wait, what do you call cold? <laughs> like uh, 49. That's pretty cold for California. That's, that's short weather in Rhode yeah. Island. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold, but um, today was like 70. So yeah, today was, today was in the 20s. Oh, okay. I, I'll, drink, I, I'll drink to that. It's a snow, snow. Whenever I see people playing in the snow, it looks awesome because you think, oh, it's probably like soft and fluffy because it's, but then I remember what it was like being in snow. It's not. No. It's ice, it's ice cubes. So it's not as, <laughs> as uh, fluffy as it looks, but I, it would be cool to get some snow here. To be honest, we, we get snow like you could drive like 40 minutes and there's snow. 40. The great thing about Rhode Island and 40 minutes, no matter where you are in the state, you're on vacation. <laughs> and you're out of the state. You've left. You're out of the state. Out of state. <laughs> That's cool. So, Nate, well, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I actually, I was telling you, I first met you about five years ago at a concert. You guys were playing with Seventh Time Down. Yeah. And um, you're, you're, you're one of the guitarists of Cutlass. Uh-huh. And I was saying to you, when I first met you, I was like, this guy's not a jerk. He's nice. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I've met some Christian artists that I talk to, and I'm like, oh, I can tell they didn't want to talk to me, but they were just being like, oh, hey. Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. I Like I was joking around, you just probably caught me on a good day because I'm usually a jerk. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I, dude, I love, I, yeah. One of my greatest thrills about uh, being in a band and, and is meeting people because I'm just always humbled that someone would listen to anything that we or I do. Like, it's always amazing to me when, like, what you said is one of the best albums. I'm like, you heard it? That's cool. You know, <laughs> so um, it's always really humbling to me. So, I, yeah, dude, I, I thank you. Yeah. No, no worries. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get to another album that I absolutely love. And I remember, <laughs> talking to you about and you were like wait you heard of that album i'm like yeah but before we get to that album i want to ask you a couple of questions here yeah where are you where are you from because does that that hair you have mm. is that like genetic because like people <laughs> in Rhode island their hair is not that perfect well it's because of the cold weather it, it uh it, it destroys the hair follicles nice. it's science but in california 
Everyone has hair like this. There's I am telling my wife. Boys, girls, babies come out like this. All the dogs have hair like this. Uh, no, it's it's genetic. My dad, uh, Native American blood in my background. Really? Uh, yeah. So you know, he he had a a full head of white hair and a white beard. So um, he looked like Kenny Rogers. That's fantastic. So that's in my near future. So where which, are you? Now, where where are you from originally? How, where did uh, where are you from? A uh, little place called Stockton, California. It's uh, northern. At one point, we were voted the one of the top five worst places to live. So, in your face. Uh, yeah, it, it was. A, it's a. I you know when I grew up there, I didn't think anything of it. But uh, when I tell people, they're like, "Whoa, you're from Stockton? Are you like? Did you get shot? No, I don't think so. Um, it's it's a it's it's got some dangerous." things um in stockton but that's where i grew up and i've lived all over california i've lived in california my whole life but i lived in like five or six different cities nice now your parents though you well you have a, uh you've been in music for a long time yeah do you, now did your parents were they were they musical people do they play instruments no uh my mom sings but not is she gonna watch she's she probably won't see this um <laughs> Not super great, but she sings her heart out, and she makes up her own lyrics a lot. Nice. <laughs> so I'd always sit next. I'd, when we did go to church, I'd be next to her and, you know, her singing. I could see the words, and then I could hear her making up her own words. I was like, what are you singing? Um, <laughs> Me and your mom would be best friends. I have then, huge, we have a huge mom fan base, by the way, so you might be in trouble. We'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. We're, we're, uh, part of the, we're, we're part of the moms from the moms of Facebook groups. So. Oh, I love it, dude. <laughs> What's I have a mom tattoo, actually. Do you really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's for your moms out there. But um, and my dad did not play any instruments, as far as I know. But I heard him. This is kind of a sad, but also a really cool story. So he passed away uh, nine years ago. And I never heard him sing, ever, except for like maybe a joke. But the one time, shortly before he passed away, he butt dialed me, and I caught it was that recording of him singing uh, one of both of our favorite songs, and it was like really good. And now, it, what and song was that? It's a song by uh, Social Distortion. It's called Prison Bound. <laughs> what, nice. My dad was kind of a hellion when he was okay, so I think he related to that song. Nice. And uh, there was this, I, so I had this recording on one of my old phones of him singing it, and it was actually really good. And so uh, maybe that's where it came from. I don't know. So when did you start? When did you personally get into music? So my earliest memory is I was probably six, and uh, MTV had come out. If you don't know MTV, it is it used to play music videos, and <laughs> they uh, so. My uncle would babysit me because my mom was, at that time, uh, she was working, so someone had to watch the kids. And my uncle would just put me in front of MTV, and he's like, yeah, Nate just watches MTV like for hours and dances. That's all he does. And so they figured out that one of my favorite songs was, uh, I think it was uh, Days Go By by uh, Talking Heads. And uh, I don't know why, for some reason I love that song. So I got, for Christmas that year, I got a cassette, and I didn't know what it was because I six years old. So I remember opening it and being like, uh, cool box, thanks. And they're like, no, it's that song that you like. And they showed me 
how to put it in the cassette player and stuff. And so that's my earliest memory of music. Um, but I didn't touch a guitar till I was eight, till my 18th birthday. Really? Yeah. I, now, yeah I so growing up, like, who are you listening to? Like, why well, has a question too. Like, were you, when did you become a Christian? Actually, let's go with that route. Okay. Uh, so I grew up in a, I don't know. It was a Christian household, but it was a little unorthodox. Uh, or maybe it's not, but my mom was a very strong Christian, very, very strong, very passionate, still is. Uh, and my dad was not into it because he came from a Mormon background. So he was not into the religious thing at all. Uh, so there was that kind of tension there. Uh, but we, we went to church sporadically. We didn't go very often. Okay. Uh, but I had a understanding. And then uh, when I was old enough, my mom sent me to a Christian school. Gotcha. So I had that kind of, you know, it was there, but it, it wasn't uh, super prevalent. Uh, but in school, I, I think I was 10 years old. And I think that's when I kind of was old enough to grasp the, the concept of what salvation is. And it's not, you know, just in its simplest form. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus is that savior. That makes sense to me. Okay, let's do it. Nice. Uh, so I'd say 10 years old, but uh, into my 20s, early 20s, I think is when I, I really started to uh, like actually test it and challenge my beliefs and all that kind of stuff. As a lot of people do when they go to college, you know, it's kind of that. Yeah. Nice. So let's fast forward a few years. If I remember correctly, your first band was what they um, what they was what they died for. Worth for that. Worth dying for. It was what they died for. Yes, worth dying for. was my first band that you would have heard of. Yes, a hundred percent. Now, how do you you know? I, I disregard my type, my my slip up right there because mm-hmm. I really loved worth dying for a lot oh, because cool. it was a praise and prayer it was a worship band yeah. but it had a definitely a more of an edge to it and most worship bands did not have any edge at all even to this day worship bands don't have edge at all yeah it's it's pretty rare um so that happened when i was you know early 20s i had finished college as far as like liberal arts uh i was just studying just Basically, I was kind of going to school so my parents wouldn't get mad at me. And But I really secretly just wanted to be in a band. Yeah. So I, I had bands going. And if I didn't have a band, I would just do solo stuff. Yep. And um, I was, my buddy was like, hey, you should move to Modesto and do this music internship to be a worship leader. I was like, no. But something about it felt like the right move. So I had no intentions of being a worship leader. I wasn't into worship music. Um, at all, really, except for what I heard, which was, I don't know, maybe like Stephen Curtis Chapman or something like that. I didn't know what yeah, it was. So yeah, yeah. so I got to that internship and I uh, was in my first worship band, which was youth. And I didn't, so I, you know, coming from the punk rock background, I just took all that into worship. I didn't, in my mind, I was like, why would I change what I do for worship? Like, this is my, this is my offering this is how i do it so i would do it the same way in church and that was kind of a little weird for people you know but um but it worked because in our youth group we just had decided we love you know hillsong all that stuff's great but there's there's nothing for people like us there's nothing for the 
tattooed pierced kids that wear all black and, and love um, As I Lay Dying or whatever band, Norma Jean. So we just started writing our own stuff and trying to push, you know, specifically my role in the band, I felt like was trying to push a lot of that edge. Like I was a screamer in the band and all that kind of stuff. And so that's how it started. We just started writing our own music and uh, for our youth. And uh, yeah. Like I think the song, I'll have to keep thinking of the song Revolution. Two days yeah. Gonna be the, yeah. I'm not going to sing it. I don't sound as good as the lead singer. But anyway. It sounds just like my mom. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> RJ, RJ, we need to forget this podcast stuff. We need to start a band, RJ. <laughs> we call it the Moms of Facebook. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Hey, copyright that. But no, I remember like the song, like, like the song Revolution. It's just mm-hmm. when I first heard that song, I kept thinking to myself, "Is it Price Band?" But it's not. But it is. Yeah. But, and I loved it. I love what you say. You're like, listen, this is the kind of music I like, mm-hmm. and praising God and praising Jesus can have an edge. And it was just a great, great album. Oh, thank and you. Yeah. Rob Canavan says that your album, that album, was actually better than Petra Praise. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a unique experience because, uh, yeah, it, we we just did what we felt like. Basically, we made music that we wanted we wanted to worship to, which I great. think is what you should do if you're trying if you're a creator. You should create the things that you want to create, not necessarily oh that works, so let me do that because um, there's an, there's enough of other stuff, but. Um, we weren't sure how it was going to be received. And I, I always came from the school of thought, like worship doesn't have a genre. Worship's not a genre. Worship is a posture. It's a, it's a, a state of heart. So you can be a, a banker and be worshiping because you're doing your job. Honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, so music, why is music different? It's not, it's just, if you're in a metal and you want to worship God that way, then just do it. I don't think God's gonna be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't sound like a uh, hill song. You know, I, see, I love that. And actually, we have a, one of our one of our uh, listeners says, "Amen to that." <laughs> yeah, I, I actually got into so I, I grew up in in the church doing like jars of clay and and yeah. kind of the, the 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 lesser you know rock. Uh, I don't say lesser, but you know less rock. Yeah. Uh, but um, and then I heard spoken for the first time yeah. and they were screaming Jesus's name. And I, and then we had him on the podcast. He was our first guest. Oh, cool. And yeah. uh, it, it was really cool. And, but hearing like someone scream Jesus's name was like one of the most worshipful things I'd ever heard to that point. Yeah. And, and then getting into more bands through the, the X albums that came out throughout the two thousands, introducing mm-hmm. you to, to kind of some more harder bands uh, yeah. doing the worship thing. Um, and sometimes it wasn't just covers of worship songs. It was creations. It was, it was new songs. Yeah. Um, and it really, like you said, it was a, it was a new thing for a group of people that felt like worship um, didn't identify with them, like the identity, you know, yeah. the worship music that we had. So I, I think that's really important that you were in bands like that, that brought worship to a different culture of people. Yeah, I was, I'm proud that we, we were able to do that. And, um, I still start our, I'll go back and listen to like our second album. Um, love, love, is even, love, right. That was the one. So the opening song, which is like, has the most screaming. I actually wrote, it's called Savior. I actually wrote that in 2005. But when we showed it to the label, they were like, it's in our manager at the time was like, it's too much. It's not going to be received. And um, so that's why I ended up coming 
on, out on the second album, but I love that album. I actually like that one a little bit more because I felt like we pushed those boundaries to a like we we actually explored that a little bit more. And so now you guys were signed to was it was it Integrity Records? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now how did that come about? Super weird. Um, so we had all these songs. We did a worship night, and somewhere on the internet, there's a video of this. We played like uh, 22 songs in one night for our worship, our, our uh, youth. And uh, we picked the songs that we liked. And then we had a connection with Planet Shakers. Are you familiar with that band? Yeah, uh, he, actually, he actually produced that record, actually. The, uh, one of the, yeah. Guys, right? yeah. So Joth, who is now the leader of Planet Shakers, he yeah. was just getting started. So they're like, hey, you can borrow Joth, Joth for like 10 days to make an album. And so he, he flew from Australia. We recorded 15 songs in 10 days. It was a marathon. Um, and so we had our own album. We did all the packaging, all that stuff. And then because of MySpace, you know, like festivals were contacting us. So we ended up getting asked to play Spirit West Coast. And um, we had our master with us which is like, why would we do this? But our, um, our pastor, he does the spoken word on the albums. Um, he met who he thought was the organizer of Spirit West Coast. Okay. And he, he gave him our master to like listen to it. Hey, check us out. Turns out that wasn't the, the lead guy. That was one of the groundskeepers. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we found out. <laughs> I was like, what have I done? Um, but in a weird twist, he was listening to it in his cart. He was picking up all the big names of the festival with this music playing. Oh, wow. So the guy ended up hearing it. Uh, and then they said, what is this? They came and saw us. Then they told record labels. So we had like Sparrow and Tooth and Nail never came out, but they were sort of interested. A bunch of other labels came out. And Integrity was the one that we felt like got the, the worship thing. They weren't necessarily trying to make us a, a rock band. And so uh, Don Moen, does that name sound familiar to you? He's like Don Moen. He's <laughs> a great piano player, by the yeah. way. It has yeah. the most unique kind of, not a high-pitched voice, but yeah. like, yes, yes. He, I didn't know who he was, of course, but everyone's like, dude, Don Moen's coming. I was like, sick. Who's that? But Don Moen was actually the one who signed us. And so he signed us to Integrity, um, which looking back, I was like, oh, that was a pretty big deal. Uh, so, yeah. So it was like nothing that we could have orchestrated. And even if we, when we did try to orchestrate it, it just went terribly wrong. Uh, but somehow it worked out. Nice. Like I said, absolute great, great album. And like I said, between Christy's voice, John, uh, Christy's voice, Beautiful, beautiful voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean's voice, your guitar playing. It was just, it was fantastic. And it's one of those albums that I always say to myself, I wish they came out with more albums besides the two. You know, it's, we had a, we briefly talked about it a couple of years ago. You should talk about it again. There's <laughs> a guy in Rhode Island who will pay big bucks. Hey, we talked about a, a, a little bit of a reunion a couple of years ago. They actually, uh, started their own church in yeah. LA and they're called yep. fearless band now. And they, yep. you know, changed over all the stuff, but the music's totally different. And, um, 
it's not it's just christy and josh who is our drummer yep uh, and then a bunch of new uh guys and stuff but um so it's the original member like the original other three are not uh, a part of that but the pastor on us the pastor from that church was on love right wasn't he What's yeah he's right? spoken word yeah uh, oh yeah yeah he does um some more spoken word type stuff on there yeah so uh worth dying for has ended now you kingdom that went to kingdom <laughs> another worship band yeah it was that was another unique situation i moved to sacramento and i walked into a church because I, I just walked i literally walked in yep. and the first guy i met uh his name was jordan he said hey do you want to get lunch and i was like yeah <laughs> he knew me from worth dying for yeah 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 he just started a worship band there that literally they he wrote a song they recorded it they entered uh the guitar player's mom entered it in a contest to open for the rock and worship roadshow yep oh nice so they won so then they had to write more songs because they had an opening slot nice. and so i as i was getting there so then they're like you should be at this band and i was like i love being in bands and so i joined kingdom and we we wrote um we did th uh, three albums. Yep. And I actually love, they're not as obviously, Kingdom wasn't as popular, but I, I actually love a lot of that, that stuff, man. It was, it was cool. Now, it was a lot what, what do you like about it that's different, that was different from Worth Dying For? Well, you know, I, I uh, my theology had evolved a little bit. And sure. in the most gentle way I could say this, I, I think a lot of times with worship, and particularly a lot of the Worth Dying For stuff, we, we tended to be a little me-centric. Um, oh, yes. And so, but with Kingdom, with Jordan, who, who was a, uh, he was a youth pastor at the time, and my theology had kind of changed to where I was like, I think we should probably be making this Jesus-centered. So a lot of the lyrics on, like we would agonize over the lyrics of that album. Um, if you listen to, we tried to make sure that they were very Jesus-centric and we spent a lot of time on the lyrics. So I love, I love the time we put into the lyrics. I love the, um, it wasn't hard like worth dying for, but it was a little yeah. bit more in that angels and airwaves kind of pop rock vein, which was a lot of fun for me. Cause you know, it was just something new. I tell you, I, really, I appreciate what you're saying because one of my biggest pet peeves is people this. Well, I think we'll kind of get into it. We'll talk about your newer album, but, mm -hmm. um, there's one song that you, there's a song on your newer album, um, politicians and celebrities. <laughs> and I, the, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing I like about it is, is that, like, we become so obsessed yeah. and it doesn't really, let me, let me, before we get to that part, but what I'm trying to say is with, when you said the whole worship about us, we make it all about us. Yeah, we forgot who made us. We forget who put us on this earth. We forget who we're here to worship. And yeah. what's happening, I find in this world, and not to go into tangent, but it always drives me nuts. Is I, we as people, we get so obsessed with other people, mm -hmm. how they can make us feel, mm -hmm. and, and we write songs about how we should feel. But listen, worship music is about worshiping Christ, mm -hmm. not us. Yes, exactly. And that's, it's a hard thing to do because that is kind of the, it's an easy thing to do yeah. because you know, everyone loves talking about themselves, you know, and like, 
worship music and like that was kind of the thing that i i wanted to really do on with the kingdom stuff was it's easy like revolution still a great song fun song but it's it's kind of saying what we're gonna do yep and that's cool but nothing we ever do will compare to what christ did amen to that so you should probably focus on that you know it's one of those things where even i talk to people about um blessings like mm -hmm. oh god blessed me today with this yeah and it's like well and they always put it to like a materialistic thing mm -hmm. like oh god gave me god blessed me with a new car that's great i'm sure he did but we don't always have to blessings aren't always made to make us feel good mm -hmm. like we, we need to live like there are times in our theology we need to learn that sometimes god yeah. uses trials as a blessing as well it's not yeah. always about making us feel good at the end it's all about glorifying christ yeah and so I, that's that was cool i got i got it's sort of like i got a, another chance to sort of do a rock worship album and then maybe adjust some things that I, you know, that I wanted to change about, you know, what we were doing. So Nice. So you're married. I am. And uh, no kids, right? I have a, I have a six-month-old. Do you? <laughs> Congratulations, yeah. my friend. How's Thanks. that? Here's the question. Now, I'm a dad. Well, me and RJ are fathers. Yeah, okay. How's that going at six months? So he is a really good baby. That's He's awesome. so chill. The last couple of days, though, this dude, he has learned a new. He's he hits a new frequency oh, when he screams. Down there, my friend. And it's like he used to be like ah. Now he's like ah, and <laughs> it just like destroys my ears. It, and he like and I think he likes the sound of it. Yeah. So even when he's not crying, he still wants to just make that sound. Um. <laughs> But he's he's really good. It's 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 changed me. I feel like I'm a lot more. Uh, it softened me up quite a bit. Yeah. Where, um, for example, like in Bakersfield, drivers and pedestrians are just like it's like the wild wild west. They don't care. They don't care about street lights. They're just like, oh, I'm gonna run across the intersection. Actually, no, I'll walk. And so I was driving one day, and this guy just like starts walking across a busy intersection, and then I. I'm staring at him and he looks at me like he wants to start a fight because I'm like trying to go around him. And it used to be maybe my first reaction was like, Oh, I, I'm going to run this guy over. But, but now I'm like, where's your dad? You know, are you okay? Are you hungry? Do you need me to change your diaper? Um, oh, so it's, it gives you a new perspective on why people do the things they do. I, I, I relate to that. I do relate to that. It's awesome. It's funny. My daughter used to have these screams, and I'd be like, is, yeah. there, is there a demon in this house? Bro, he hit some notes. I look at my wife. I was like, is that normal? Because it was it was cool. He kind of sounds metal in a way. Sometimes. Ow! You yeah, should be, so you should, like, record your son's voice. Oh, I'm, ar I'm, already, on, I'm already hitting you, buddy. And then write a, <laughs> and write a riff towards it. It's coming. <laughs> the first ever heavy lullaby album sang by a baby. Uh, that's, a, that's amazing. So I have a question. So you, you've been in music now. You've been with Kingdom. You're with Worth Dying For. Both of those seemingly uh, kind of random encounters. Um, and then yeah. Cutlass comes along. Yeah. Did you know Cutlass prior to this? Were they on your radar? Or were they someone you listened to? Or were they? did they come up to you and you were like, 
who are you? <laughs> um, so I met Cutlass. Uh, we had, our first tour ever with Worth Dying For was the Creation Festival tour. Ah, I love so, Creation Festival. What year was that? 2008. Yeah, 2008. I, probably, I think I was there then. We're so. at, yeah, yeah, it was. We just got signed, and they okay. they got us on this tour as the worship band. So we would play right before the worship, um, and then after us was the co-headliner was Thousand Foot Crutch and Cutlass. Mm -hmm. So they would. So we were before those bands. Um, but I met Cutlass. Just clicked with them. We used to make like funny videos. If you if you search on YouTube, you put Nate from Cutlass, you'll find a video we made. It's like a mockumentary about me trying to get into the band and being obsessed <laughs> with them just, just an idea we had and um it happened dude and so <laughs> it's really weird so but uh we just kept in contact uh with i kept in contact with james mostly he's a good friend of mine and about 2015 i had just put out a worship little ep with my wife and maybe that triggered something where they they uh, they needed a guitar player. They had a fill-in, but they needed a guitar player. So he literally called me out of the blue. He said, hey, you have a second to talk? And we don't talk on the phone. It's all texting and memes. And uh, he said, do you want to uh, play in Cutlass? And I was like, yeah. So I just like quit my job and did that. <laughs> it's like the least like amount of effort I've, I've put into anything. They're like, do you want to play? Yeah. Okay. Come up and practice with us for a bit. Okay. James is a good dude. We, yeah, had him on, we had him on the show, what, maybe uh, two months ago, RJ? Was it about oh, two yeah, months he was ago? Yeah, he was our second episode, yeah. Yeah, I love James. We talk a lot. So, so were, you in, were you in Kingdom when Cutlass came around, or had that end? Yeah. No, we just put out, like, an acoustic album, okay. uh, and then still doing it. I think we still had some shows and things like that, but, um, yeah, actually, we are in the process of getting all of our songs together as kingdom to put out one giant album with some new stuff potentially so that's nice. that's an exclusive so um just because we have all these songs they're not on they were taken down from streaming mm. so um something to do with the label at the time and they took it all down so we're, we own it so we're gonna put it back up but nice. yeah so we've never really ended necessarily but uh i just was doing the cutlass thing and speaking, of, speaking of taking something down um, I have the original Worth Dying For album. If you yeah. go to if you go to cut if you go to iTunes and put Worth uh, Dying For in, yeah, they have the CD. You look at the CD; it's yeah. the same cover. It's not the music, though. No, it's you know what that is. It's terrible. That's what it is. It is terrible. Here's what it is. Okay, so when we signed to Integrity, they did did these things called worship tools. Yeah. And they would take, it's the weirdest thing, they would take your song, like Revolution, yeah, yeah, and they would dumb it down. So they would retract everything, but like acoustic. Yeah. And then someone else would sing it, and it's like not, I mean, no offense to the singers, it's just not us. It's not mm. good. It is and terrible. It's for some reason that's, so if you go look, you're like, this is, it's not. Um, no. It's really not. It's really like poppy, like it's almost like kids' bop. Yeah, so yeah. I was literally, I was being lazy. I have, I have it on my phone, but I'm <laughs> on my computer. I was gonna jam out, so I'm like, I'm gonna, I'll just use iTunes on my computer. I go, oh, here we go. What the crap is this? Yeah, when I heard Revolution, I was like, oh no, this is <laughs> bad. It's yeah, like, it's, it's like, know. it's like diet food. 
Yes. You know, you have the original, yeah. a nice, juicy steak. Yeah. You go to a restaurant, <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like, what's this? What's this tofu over here? Yeah, it's. I don't, I'm not sure why they don't just change the cover. I don't even think it says anything about what it actually is. It says like resource tools or something. Yeah, it's, it's what it is. It's, it's, it's if you that way too, I think. Ah, uh, cool. Um, yeah. but the well, original album's on there too, so you got. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, and then our Love Right album is on there, but it's under Fearless Band now. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So yeah, it's kind of interesting that both of the bands that you were in are are kind of still going in their own ways. Maybe they're different, but it's still cool that they're still carrying yeah, that name for sure. So you're in Cutlass now. I remember reading in an article that you don't record with Cutlass, but it's more mm-hmm. of a live live. Mm-hmm. Um, does that leave you the opportunity to form another band if you wanted to, or are you tied to Cutlass at this point? No, no, no. It's very. Um... Uh, I'm not opposed to doing any of that. I just it just hasn't worked out that way. So when I came in, they were pretty much finished with the the surrender album. Yep. So I haven't recorded anything. You know, they they have a a process. It's James and John Micah. They've been doing it for their half of their life. You know. Yep. They know what they're doing. Um, but uh, when we play live, I kind of put my own spin on stuff. So I don't I don't always play the album version. Um, in general, when we play live, it's a lot heavier than the album anyways. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't uh, recorded anything or written anything like that. I think it's, it comes up a lot because... Hard, my, hard. Right here. There he is, told you. <laughs> when I saw him, I'm headbanging. I'm like, this music's harder than the album. Boom. Yeah, it's, Boom. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a little harder in person, which sometimes is a surprise for the front row. I love it. I love it. You guys are fantastic. That, that I Thank see you. that voice. Um, it was fantastic. Thank you, man. But yeah, I think that question comes up a lot because when people hear my album, they're like, "Oh, this is interesting. I didn't expect this." Well, it's because you know they they assume that I my style of music is in the colors vein. It's really not. Um, I love doing it. It's super fun, and I love what they've put out and accomplished over the years. But it's not. Um, it's not. It's just not my angle, you know? Well, it's funny. We asked James that same question because I remember when I saw you guys in Massachusetts like a couple of years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, they had a question and answer before the concert started, yeah. and James's music preference came up. Yeah. And he's not, like, in no. general, the worship-style no. person. He's like Metallica, you know, mm-hmm. Nirvana, Soundgarden. Those, yep. which I think they're fantastic bands. Yep. So here's my question for you. Is it hard to be in a band that's maybe not your style of music? No, no, I, it's still like, it still is. And I do love the yeah. music. And I love playing. Um, Cause it's just, I mean, dude, it's so fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like the first time I played strong tower live, I couldn't believe what I was doing. You know what I mean? I was like, I was playing strong tower in front of like thousands of people. It's just the crazy, craziest thing. But um, no, it's, it's really not. The band is so fun to be in, like James and John Micah and, and uh, uh, Neil, our bass player, Matt, our drummer. Everyone's great. And so it's, it's really not. Um, I don't think, I don't think if it was another band, I don't think it would have worked out though. Like if it was like, I don't know. I just pick a band. They're like, hey, come play and skill it. I'd be like, eh. Maybe it's probably cool, but like 
I just love what Cutlass does. And so yeah. I love the guys. I love their hearts. And 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 what the, the big sell for me was that they're they're like this is a ministry we want to. Um, they want they don't want to just be stuck in churches. In fact, they don't want to really play in churches necessarily. Yeah. Our big thing was going overseas. Um, that poster right there, uh, uh, a girl made that when we were in Ukraine, and she drew it for us. That's and awesome. uh, that's like the big passion is going to um, other countries and places who don't hear that kind of stuff. That's awesome. So that's what sold me on it. I was like, all right, cool. I'm in. So before we get to the meaty, the meat of this of this awesome interview about your music, let's ask you one question. Yeah. You have Sony Records gives you a million dollars. They say, I want you to build, I want you to first build the band of your choice. Who's playing, who's playing the guitar, drums, Whoa. bass, harmonica. Wow. Not, not harmonica. Saxophone. <laughs> All right. That's a tough one. Does it have to be alive? Any, anybody. Because with the money, I think I can use the technology to bring someone back. <laughs> That's right. Now we're not, uh, calling, we're not calling you Jesus, but you could take him back. Okay, well, so if if it's so, I guess I would have to make up a greatest hits of like people that I would love to play with. Yeah, um, I think I would just play rhythm guitar. Really? I'm, yeah, I I like doing lead, but rhythm and singing is fun. Like you don't yeah. have to think too much. So there's that. I would put uh, probably Mike Ness from Social Distortion on lead. Nice. I think that would be, he's one of my heroes. I'd add another guitar and put Johnny Ramone on second rhythm. Nice. Just all downstrokes the whole time. Um, bass player. So my favorite bass player, I think, is, is a guy from a band called Face to Face. And uh, his name's Scott Shiflett. I actually talked to him on Instagram. I kind of stalk him a little bit. <laughs> nice. He's amazing. I tried to get him on my stuff, actually. And he's like, dude. You know, but hey, I'm still working on him. Um, drums. I so I love Joey from Disciple. Uh, he's super fun to play with. We did. Um, he filled in for us for a little bit, so we did a couple of cutlass shows with Joey on drums. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's great. And uh, we did a cover song together. It's on my YouTube, and he plays okay. drums. Um, so maybe I put Joey back on the drums. Put my friends on there, I'll, or my friend uh, Drew Porter, who used to play in Cutlass, just for the hangs. You know, a lot of it is about the hang. Nice. Uh, I don't know any other saxophone players, but the guy, my buddy who plays on my album, Chris Bellamy, is fantastic, and he just happens to be a friend. So I'm basically picking people that aren't going to cost me a lot of money, except for <laughs> except for bringing Johnny Ramone back from the dead. That might be expensive. Nice, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I like a lot of players, but honestly, it comes down to their personality. Like who who do you want to hang around with? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the guys I play um, worship with, um, I would put them too. Like, and they're all talented and they're great dudes. You know, they're they're not famous names, but they're super solid and good dudes. So nice. So twenty twenty has been a tough year, or was a tough year for most of us. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of positive happened as well, especially for you. Um, with the uh, new album last year and the new baby, um, so a, bit, a good a good year for you. Yeah. Um, but what kind of got you into wanting to do a, a solo album, and uh, and how did you get into this genre to do it? 
So, like we talked about music, I, you know, I was into music at a young age, but, um, you know, you kind of find, usually in your teens, you find like, okay, this is my music. You know, you, you like a bunch of stuff, but this is like my thing. And so, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, it was kind of that second wave of punk rock. So like Green Day had come out and, you know, blew everyone's, everyone's mind. And so my sister was into all that stuff. So she was into Green Day and Rancid and those kind of uh, East Bay punk bands. So through that, you know, um, I discovered, I, I go, I go, I like to research. You research the liner notes and figure out who they like. And then you figure out who they, and you keep tracing it back to like, where did it start? So I found the Ramones, the Clash, Social Distortion, bands like that. I just loved it. Um, I love the, the, the angst of it. I love the, it wasn't necessarily about, it was about the, the message more than it was about the, the music, if that makes sense. It was, they were trying to accomplish something. It wasn't just music about whatever. Like they were trying to say something. And so I love that. Um, so I had that punk kind of edge and uh, I also really liked like Johnny Cash and uh, Storytellers, Bruce Springsteen, stuff like that. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, um, I was raised on Fleetwood Mac. So I kind of had this like, oh, what if I could do like punk rock, really angry sounding music, but like to have it sound like Americana and tell stories too and stuff like that. So fast forward years later when I finally decided to sit down and do an album for myself, um, I kind of made a commitment to just write whatever, whatever I felt like, whatever I, whatever message I, I needed to communicate and not think too much about it. I wasn't going to think about what, you know, Christian radio, any of that wasn't even a part of it. It was just like, literally, this is what I want to get off my chest and I'm not going to edit it. I'm just going to, it's going to be what it is. And, uh, so I got a little home recording set up and, my initial goal was to write and record and release one song a month for a year. So Politicians and Celebrity was the first one. That was July or June 2019. Yeah. So it came out as a single. So I released like six songs in a row. Yeah. And then I eventually was like, well, I have other songs stored up. I might as well just wait and put out an album. And so that's how that happened. But it was really just a, um, you know, I talked about, creating stuff that you want to see or you want to hear. And I just really wanted to make a kind of a punk album and sort of a reference those bands and those sounds that I, that I love mm -hmm. and do it for me. Um, so it's a selfish thing, but I wanted to make an album that I wanted to listen to. Um, so. so the one thing I wanted to ask you is politicians and celebrities. Mm -hmm. It's probably, I, I can relate to this because I can't stand both of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Oh, but I'm, but I'm not perfect either, by no means. But yeah, um, yeah. But the lyrics that goes, politicians, celebrities, they are scripting our reality. We're means to their end. These people aren't your friends. They just play them on TV. Uh, what uh, what they're watching on this screen, we're seeing in the streets. They want to make documentaries into a horror movie. What is what are you what are you getting at here? What is your point of view? What do you what's your message? So. I live downtown Bakersfield. I uh, often will pass by a guy smoking crack in public, uh, people who are hungry, people who have no shoes, all these things. And it, it gets to you when you see 
people who have a a platform and someone pointing a camera at them telling you know from their shiny mansion on a hill that overlooks where the rest of us live telling us how to live our lives and telling us what we need to do and i'm like you don't live here you don't see it you don't have to you have a gate you know so not that they're bad people it's just that we and we do it like the people who are in the trenches with those people we still look up to them and say oh yeah they told us how to live we should do what they say i'm so sick of like people on twitter telling us teaching us about morality when they're just as screwed up as we are mm-hmm. but for some reason their words weigh more than the guy next to us two doors down it's like why are we paying attention to these people and uh, yeah it's a frust- it was out of frustration, obviously. No, I, no, I hear you, and I want to do. I want to dig a little bit deeper here because I, I totally can relate to what you're feeling. Um, from a Christian realm, mm-hmm. we look up to people who look shiny, dress mm-hmm. in nice clothes, have nice cars, even Hollywood pastors. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is it? Do you think, as Christians, um, we don't look to Christ? We don't look at Christ. We just look for people who can, one, fill our buckets of happiness, who, or we want, we look for someone who we want to be like mm-hmm. from a sinful point of view rather than a humble point of view. I think it's just the same old age problem from the beginning. Um, we want to be, we want to be gods. And Jesus, you know, the interesting thing is, even as Christ followers, we're like, yeah, Jesus, man, Jesus. Like, but we don't do any of the stuff that he does. Yes. But so we find people that have a it's like a it's like a more fast food version of so Jesus is like the meal that takes a lot of work, takes time, hours, prep to do it, but it's great and it's good for you. Yep. We don't want to do that, so we'll settle for the the shiny fast food version that's cheaper and more readily accessible Mm -hmm. and call it food. Yeah. And I just think that's in our nature. Like we, we just do that. We do it with celebrities, athletes, but as Christians, we do it with celebrity pastors. Like we have our own subculture of celebrity within the, the Christian realm. Like we have, you know, celebrity pastors like, Oh yeah, we, that dude gets it. It's like, he doesn't get it. Just like, I don't get it. We're all the same. It just so happens that he's, standing on a stage that's like four feet above where I'm standing. It's no different, but, but we want to like, I don't know. We want to put our, our trust in that because I think maybe that's achievable. It's another way to save ourselves. Like I'll, I'll worship this pastor because maybe I can achieve that, but I can't achieve the Jesus thing. And that's the whole point is you can't. So you need to accept that and let him and let him do the stuff. And stop trying to like find ways around it. Well, if I have a big church, then I could say that I sort of like helped out God. It's like, no, you dude, you did it. <laughs> I also I also to add to that, because I think I think you're spot on with that one, but I also think to add to it, I think people um they like the simplistic message mm-hmm. that these celebrities, pastors preach yeah. because they don't want to dig into theology. It's hard. It is hard. Like the word, the word, like there's three, there's three words uh, in love in the Bible. In the Bible, there's phileo, there's porneia, and there's agape. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And unless you are reading the Bible, you understand the context. You're not really truly going to understand. And I think a lot of times people will read the Bible with the idea of what can I get out of it for me? Yeah. In other words, like I want to fulfill, I have an idea of what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find out whether it's in context or not, something to fulfill my desire and yeah. what improve my point. And when, what's happening is they're not doing the, like you said, the prep. They're trying yeah. to find people who um, will give them that, Actually, John MacArthur. I like John MacArthur. Some people do, some people don't. I think he's yeah, he's very solid. I think one of the best things that he ever ever said was, "Soft words produce soft hearts. Hard mm-hmm. words produce hard hearts." In other words, if you're when you're preaching the Bible on Sunday and you're telling somebody this is what the Bible says, and if you don't like it, then I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's going to produce a softer heart rather yeah. than when you have someone going. Jesus loves you. Don't matter what. Don't, let's not talk about sin. That's just offensive. Well, that, it's yeah. You're right. No, you, I, you said something, and I I was thinking now that I'm a parent, it's like you know you have two parents, and usually one is like the one that lets you do stuff. The other one's not. Yeah. So like Jesus is like the let's say it's the dad in this scenario who's like nope, I I keep a very tight ship with lots of rules, and yep. so you don't ask dad for candy you ask mom because mom will give it to you yes so like we we do that with we can go to these these pastors you know whatever i'm not i don't want to you know what i'm saying i i told you you know who they they are we seek those people out because they will give us the stuff that we want where jesus is like look at i'm not going to give you what you want i'm going to give you what you need and that's exactly. not always the attractive thing. And so I think that's what it comes down to. And so, we all do it. You know, I do yeah. it too. So Your. what do you think is – I'm sorry, RJ. I just have one more question. Um, what do you? What is your view set on – this 2020 has been, from a political standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, it has been a challenge. Yeah. I'm not going to – I don't – personally, I don't care who you like as far as politics goes. I love you no matter what. That, that's why I tell people all the time. But – Christians have got to the point where it's like, oh, you like this person? Well, yeah. then I hate you. I hate you. Yeah. You like this person? How can you be a Christian? And they're almost, to be honest with you, they're actually almost letting their politics be their ideology of, of who they actually are as a Christian. Yes, it's weird. Um, you know, I think about that a lot. Um, I'm writing an album now, and it, a lot of those elements are on there because it's just stuff I'm trying to like work through. I've seen it a lot, you know, uh, I, have, I work, I'm, you know, I'm a worship leader at a church, so I, I get to see it both sides firsthand. And uh, I just think that it comes, I think a lot of it comes back to it's self-righteousness and all, all these is disguised as different things. So yeah. if you, I think that we have defaulted instead of trying to, become Christ-like or elevate ourselves. it's easier to lower someone else. Yes. So if we can say, you vote for this person, you're bad because that makes me, the, what's the opposite? With me. Yeah. You're bad, that makes me good. Yes. So I'm taking another step up towards righteousness, not because I'm actually righteous, because I'm just making you seem like a bad person. Mm-hmm. Based, on, based on what? A politics? A policy? Like, we all have, I mean, my 
words for 2021 is that we're all hypocrites. So just yeah. get used to it. And so yeah. if we can all start there and be like, hey, there's going to be things about your politics that I hate. There's yeah. going to be things about my politics that you hate. I'm going to preach to you about don't do this, don't do that. But at the same time, I'm going to do those things in a different way. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no shit. There's no getting away from it. We're all hypocrites. We all need a savior. And your, you know, your sin is the same as mine. They just looked a little different. Mm-hmm. I just think that we're, and with the introduction of social media, we have a platform we now have what well, we've always wanted. We always wanted to be a God, right? Well, now you can be a little God with a bunch of literally followers. Yep. That's what they're called. You yep. have your followers. You preach to them on Twitter and they are your, they're your congregation. And now guess what? Another opportunity for you to pretend to be God. And we just, that's all we do throughout history. Well, it's yeah. funny because like as Christians, we have such great opportunity to preach to people. But, but instead, we're instead yeah. we're we're getting a hammer and hammering them down. We have opportunity to share the gospel, but instead we just say, "If you like this guy, you're a bad person." Like, okay, yeah. cool, cool. So your album comes out in the middle of all of this. Yeah, um, I'm gathering with intention some of your lyrics. Um, you know, with yeah. what's going on, and and now you're saying your new album is doing a similar thing there with mm-hmm. current events. You said something in a prior uh, interview that I really liked. Um, you know, you said at the end of the day, we just need to ask questions, you know, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, whether you're Christian or not Christian, you just need to ask questions. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I really believe that there is absolute truth. I'm a Mm -hmm. strong believer in truth is truth. Doesn't change with time location. Who says it? It's truth. Mm -hmm. So if I believe that, then you, then I have to be, I have to trust that. And I can't, I ha- you have to let people find it. You don't find it without asking questions. So I'm not afraid of your questions. You shouldn't be afraid of my questions. The reason we get afraid of people asking questions is because we know we have no idea what we believe. Hmm. So we don't want to be challenged on it because we're going to look stupid. So instead of letting them ask questions and expose our ignorance, we silence them. So I'm not about that. I, if, if there's something I believe for false reasons, I need to figure that out because I want to try to re- base everything on the truth, the actual mm. truth. Oh, yeah. And, and so we, but we, instead of doing that, we silence people that ask questions we don't like. And I think we do that because deep down we know we don't know what the heck we're talking about. We don't know what we believe. Because if you think about it, a secure person is not scared of your questions. What are they scared about? They give you the wrong answer, so then they correct it and find the right one, mm-hmm. right? I, I love what you're saying about the absolute truth. I was I, I use that phrase all the time. I believe absolute truth. I believe Christ in the Bible is my absolute truth. And we're living in such a society where no one wants absolute truth. What they yeah. want is their feelings to be heard their feelings to be justified. And as Christians, I believe and what's to me is disheartening is we're butting that bullet. Yeah. We're not looking at the Bible at absolute truth. We're looking at the Bible as something like Rob Bell specifically. Sorry, I don't want to but anyway, it was a pastor. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a pastor back then who said who he did his theology was based on social. He believed it changed as society changed. 
And I, and I said to myself, if that's the case, then you can't believe anything the Bible says. It's so, yeah. so as Christians yeah. now, what I'm seeing is you have people who stuff that used to be so black and white. It's mm-hmm. now, well, maybe it's just not that simple. Yeah. I, I think there's a balance in everything. You got to have head and heart. So you have to have head, which means you have to have the knowledge. You have to be grounded in truth. But you can't ignore the heart and pretend like there's no emotions wrapped up in these things. We can't we can't just ignore emotion either. Like Jesus cried, was mad. He did a lot of emotional things. So that by definition means it's not a sin, right? So so head and heart, it's a balance. And sometimes we either most of the time we'll find ourselves in one of those ditches. So that's where you have a person who is in the heart ditch and they're, well, everything's based on feelings and social whatever. And if this hurts someone's feelings, then it's not gospel. That's not true. Or you have that someone falls on the other side and it's all head. And they're like, this is what it is. I don't care what you say, deal with it. And there's absolutely no grace or love to help people work through things. You got to find yourself in the middle. It's very difficult, especially now where everything is like, it's my truth. It's like, no, no, there's no such thing as your truth. It's truth. And that sucks for people to hear because then that means they could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, no, and no one wants to do that. <laughs> so, I think as Christians, we should want to be wrong. Like we should be open to being wrong. You have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're, if you say to yourself, well, I'm never wrong, then that's wrong. <laughs> Boom! You got it. So, so 2020 has been, uh, again, a crazy year. And putting that all aside, there's been a, a lot of positives for yourself, a lot of the mm-hmm. other bands that we talk to on here. And it, it makes me really yeah. happy to hear that, that great things are happening for everyone. 2021 hopefully will be uh, an even better year for everyone else. Um, yeah. What do you have coming down the line that, that you want to share? If there's anything, uh, or even let's get into hopes. What do you hope is happening in 2021 for yourself? Um, so, uh, so like I said, I, I started working on what was going to be an EP back in summer because I'm just trying to keep writing and, you know, keep, keep that, uh, muscle strong. So, uh, but it's turning into an album. So, uh, I'll have an album out in 2021 and I'm, I'm pumped about it. It's, it's going to be, if you like the first album, I think you'll still like the second album. It's basically those elements that are on there are just going to be pushed a little bit farther. So if you like the punk rock stuff, it's going to get more punk. And if you like the Americana saxophone type Springsteen, it's going to get more to that. So it's just, I'm not going to reinvent myself. I'm not, I'm not going to come out with a techno album, but uh, so imagine, I'm working on, imagine that it came out the techno album. Man. Yeah, it's always it's, for yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll join another band that does techno, but um, so yeah, putting out an album and, and that, that'll be great. I'm looking forward to, maybe playing some music in front of humans. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be cool. And then, um, yeah, just, I don't know. Life is, is different now. And as a whole, I just hope that, you know, in, in the Christian world, like for us Christians, uh, this is a kind of a intimidating time. You're kind of seeing culture turn on us, <laughs> so to speak, which we knew was coming. Mm-hmm. But it's, it can be very scary, and I understand that. But it's also an opportunity um, to show people what the Christian is. Um, I think people have a misconception about what it is to be a Christian. And I think we're getting an opportunity to, to show 
the love of Christ because we're kind of in a hostile environment. And so uh, I think that the church grows under that. So it's weird. I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to some really just basic things like concerts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you picture yourself doing some actual Nate concerts yeah. uh, as well as, as well as going back with Cutlass? Yeah, I actually, uh, well, it's live stream right now, but um, I do have something coming up live stream, which will be my first concert. Uh, nice. I've done I've done some live stream, like you know, we put together stuff in quarantine, but this will be the first time with a band that that we do that. Nice. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's really exciting. A little nervous. Um, I play music and shows all the time, but now I'm like, oh, I'm this is my thing. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's a little nerve wracking, but. It'd be fun. Right. Very cool. Well, hey, I, I think, uh, Mike, unless you have something else, thank you, you know, for, for coming on the show. Um, it's been really awesome getting to know you and getting to know uh, the many others that we've had up to this point. It's been a really blessing for us for this year. This was our positive of, of 2020 was being able to do this podcast and talk to you guys and, um, and hopefully get your music out there even more because I think this is an album that's super important to listen to with everything that, that happened in the last year or so. And, mm-hmm. Um, I think it really just raises some questions and, and raises some, some hopefully some change, uh, which would be good. I'm looking forward to the next album. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Appreciate the kind words. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, thanks again for everybody who is watching on the 4-7 podcast. Uh, I am RJ. This is Mike. And again, this is Nate uh, from, from Cutlass and from himself uh, with that <laughs> album, I'm a Wreck. Um, but thank you for joining. And uh, you can stay on after we go live we'll do, and we'll say goodbye. But thank you cool. guys for joining. Have a good one. Thank you.